Matt, it's yourself, is it? Dropped in for a sneaky one, did you? Yes, you did. Um, so this is uh, uh, an extra bonus episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast, and thanks for, to you for dropping in again. Um, a few episodes ago, financial advisor, um, Ireland, rip-off Ireland guru, um, uh, Eddie Hobbs was my guest. And boy, did we have a fascinating conversation. We really did. I, I don't say that lightly. We did because... I managed to cut three things out of our conversation. He did a fascinating um, piece about uh, Putin because he lived in Russia um, for a while. He also has Russian children, and I didn't know that. He adopted Russian children. Um, but it was also a long conversation we had, so we held a bit back, and in this episode you'll hear the rest of it. And it is more great stuff from Eddie. Uh, we talk about his involvement with the short-lived political party Renewa, and he reveals some real behind-the-scenes stories about that escapade. Eddie's very direct about his views on Sinn Féin, and why he is utterly opposed to that party's economic policies. He talks about what he thinks it will take to solve Ireland's housing crisis, and we talk about Ireland's controversial lockdown policy, about which he was very outspoken, and why he is not a conspiracy theorist, as some people would like to trumpet. This is another good one, folks, so let's jump straight in. Just after this, um, Brendan Investments, you are a party to a party, and that is, you're a party to the starting up of a, an Irish party called Renewa. Mm-hmm. Now, just uh, let's well, not Renewa let's not let's not talk too long about it. But I will ask you a question about it. And mm-hmm. the question is, what did Renewa stand for? Why did it fail? Renewa, firstly, Renewa secured two and a half percent of the vote. So therefore, it technically became a political party. Hmm. So therefore, it got the government funding to get it to be able to gather some momentum. The problem was that got the government funding and it had failed to elect the three TDs that it put forward that were sitting TDs. Yes. So Terence Flanagan, uh, Billy Timmons and Lucinda Creighton. Mm. And it was an absolute train crash of, of an election. Mm. There was a big swing to the left anyway, away from Fine, Fine Gael. And these were ex-Fine Gael TDs. Mm. Now, what actually happened uh, after that, I think, tells the story of why it went wrong. Uh, up until that point when you're trying to get a political party going you're relying on volunteerism you can't actually really generate money because the rules prevent you from doing so which Mm. is all in favour of the incumbent parties it makes it very very difficult so you're relying on a lot of volunteerism and the party had attracted because of its policies uh, it had attracted a lot of liberal democrat thinkers like myself who believed in low tax more freedom and um, but but especially for me uh, I believed in the in, in what I call social progress index, which I'll come back to because it's a very important point because that was my main reason for getting involved in the whole thing, to try and push that agenda, which is basically where you have GDP, you get away from the veneration of GDP because GDP in isolation is nonsense and you sit next to it a social progress index, SPI, social progress index, which actually measures the interface between the citizens of the state and all the services of the state and it gathers data, hard data, soft data, you know, soft data as in going around with artificial intelligence and gathering data points on social media and surveys. So th- and that, that, that then feeds back up into an overall index that, they, that data scientists put together and then feed it to policymakers. So straight away you can tell where are we actually making gains in social progress and where are we losing it, whether it's health, whether it's education, whether it's justice and all of these type of measures. And, um, and that, that's the reason I got involved. So why it failed was because the public didn't buy it because, they, because the people that called around and canvassed were quite clearly social conservatives of the, of the hard type who were really just there for one reason and one reason only. And that was they were, they were against abortion. 
Right. <laughs> it was simple as that. Okay. So I mean, like, it, it, and 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 I. Was, so you're saying the message was the, lost. The, it wasn't just the message. The, the 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 actual faces that turned up at the doorstep were largely not the type of people. They weren't there for the reasons I was there. Exactly. With the policies. They were. Did it attract for, people from uh, an anti-immigrant? Uh, no, point know. of view I, I you don't know I made an attempt to change it immediately after it was at a national meeting and I campaigned and got, got support to change the, the not just the name the whole ethos of the yes. thing to a lib, to liberal democrats yes right? oh and, really and, yeah. to, and then to ditch the social conservatives and say look guys you're going to have to leave because yes. this is what we're doing and then there was a coup and I just I just said right that's it I'm out here so I it sounded like Renewa was um, a, 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 a latter manifestation of the PDs uh, it 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 could have been if if it had been set up and established and run by liberal democrats yeah. but it wasn't it was set up originally by social conservatives mm. pr- principally and they had come up with the idea that when it came to social votes you know voting on end of life or voting on abortion or whatever or whatever the issue social mm. issue is that that there wouldn't be a party whip mm. which is fine right but the problem is that that doesn't that didn't stop people from quietly campaigning while they were involved at the at literally in front of the you know trying to canvas a social conservative so the thing just fell apart i mean after lucinda like lucinda really was a glue and once lucinda had lost her seat really it was over and um uh, there was some very funny things happened as well of course on the day of the launch we we the launch the launch went very well we had a very good producer we had very good marketing people we had brilliant people coming in talking about policy i remember we were sitting at one stage we were sitting in the bowls of of uh, Boswell's Hotel uh, for a few hours going through and I said this is good there's very very good people in the room they really know what they're talking about it's coming together thanks be to God and the next thing one of the, one of the representatives decided to speak and he rarely speaks you know so the whole room went quiet and then he said something that I'll never forget he said um, I'm all for reform too um, provided it doesn't upset anybody and I remember looking at my watch thinking what the Christ am I doing here uh, you know, and um, but anyway, the meeting moved on after that. But it it was just one of those little red flags. And then on the day, uh, so people were relaxed. We had done the launch; it had gone quite well. Uh, uh, there was an arrangement whereby uh, Lucinda was going on the late late that night, and I was I was riding shotgun, and uh, and I was used to going in and out of the out of the studio on the late late and makeup and all that kind of stuff. So I left it until that twenty minutes to go and arrived. So I arrived in and um, what happened, sorry, sorry, interim, what happened was I, <laughs> I, was dri- I had to drive home through the, through the heavy traffic, get down to Kildare, get changed and come back in. So, but I had to drop Jonathan Irwin home at the same time. So Jonathan is in the car, we're driving along. I just put, flicked on the radio, it was about half five and uh, Terence, Terence was on being interviewed on morning uh, by, uh, by Five Seven Live. Oh, yes. Yeah, remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And he stumbled and he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. It was just he just he, he, he was incapable of answering any question about anything. I'd say if if she, he was asked what his name was, yes, he just he, he went com- blank. He, he, he had a panic attack. He had a complete panic attack. Mm. And of course, the interview should have been cut, in my opinion. But it went on, and I went, oh my god. Well, that's not good for us, right? Because we're going on the late late tonight. So when I got back in, uh, got changed, drove back in, arrived into Montrose, parked the car, blah blah blah, through through the usual procedure, came up to the. Um, Came up to the uh, dressing <laughs> to the makeup room. So it's funny. No, it wasn't funny then. It wasn't funny at all. But it is funny in hindsight. And um, Luc- they had asked Lucinda to come in about two hours before the program. So she so she complied. But she went in on her own. She should have somebody with her. 
So she's in there sitting down for two hours. Uh, she's, uh, she's, she's launched a party. She put her heart and soul and life into it. Huge, gargantian effort. And I watched her. I mean, she was unbelievably energetic and committed and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got involved. I mean, I got involved because I found her impressive, you know, on a personal basis and, and on a policy basis, even though we completely different views on social policy. And um, uh, uh, so, uh, and we're still good, we're, we're, we're still pals, you mm. know? So um, so I, I walked in and um, and I looked and I've never, like, and all the times I've seen her in action, I've never seen her under this kind of stress. And what happened was, we were literally about five minutes or 10 minutes before we were going and it was quite, quite imminent, um, but a bottle of um, uh, makeup had spilt on her white blouse. Mm. Literally within minutes of going on. No, for guys like that's just change your shirt. Mm. But for 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 people that aren't guys, right? Mm. You're about to go live on television. This is your launch. This is this is this is this is a and there was a panic, right? So I just said, Lucinda, follow me. Just walked out of the dressing room and said, Look, I just took command of the situation. I brought her down to the uh, to the wardrobe room. Called out for anybody here. They're fantastic people in the RT wardrobe room. They're so calm and they're so used to people coming in in absolute panics, you know. They're almost like psychiatrists, right? So in we came and I said, we need to get a white blouse size. Yeah, next thing, done and dusted in seconds, right? And composure completely uh, reestablished and we walked out on on stage uh, to be interviewed by Ryan Tuberty and he, of course, he was asking the questions everybody wanted to ask. But I don't think really that had, you know, that's late, late, it's television. I don't think that's what swung it. I think that when people are sitting down um, in, you know, on their own with, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a piece of pen, or sorry, with a pen, a boy or a, you know, and they're, they're there inside in the, in the voting booth, that really, you know, they can, they can change they can change Ireland if they want to, but typically people are going to vote for the people they're going to vote for. Yeah. And they're not going to be basing it on something that happened on the late, late, you know, a month before or whatever the hell it was, you know. Very good. Speaking about um, Irish television, I saw you uh, recently on uh, the Claire, Claire Byrne Live. Yeah. Um, in, in a peculiar, I must say, a peculiar programme, which yeah. um, presented this uh, the, the rise of Sinn Féin. I thought I was watching something about the Nazi party in the 30s. How did they get here and what do they want? Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting and you appeared on it. And um, first of all, uh, full disclosure, I, I wouldn't describe myself by any means as a Sinn Féin supporter yeah. or a voter. And yeah. I don't go out. In fact, I'm n- nobody. So mm. I'm apolitical in, that, in those terms. So I have no axe to grind. However, I, I found this pr- presentation um, to be uh, a bit gnarled. Uh, it, pres- it, it it made out that Sinn Féin... The whole programme, yeah. Well, it I- presented it as, a, as though Sinn Féin was implicitly a threat. Hmm. So anyway, hmm. I, you, you appeared on the programme and I would ask you a question. Hmm. Uh, and the question would be, if Sinn Féin were elected as the biggest party hmm. and, and, and took the reins of government, hmm. would Ireland be destroyed? And how would it be destroyed if it was going to be destroyed? No, what I said on the programme... Hmm. Uh, so firstly, I've been, I've been writing about Sinn Féin policy for years. I wrote for four and a half years without a break every week for 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 the Daily Star, which is classically, you know, communicating with that with that with with an audience that might or mightn't vote for Sinn Féin mm-hmm. or vote left or whatever. So I'm often trying to explain complex stuff. So um, and and remember, sorry, just just to finish the point, the Social Progress Index that I just dis- discussed, so that you understand where I'm coming from politically, 
And I don't believe anybody's apolitical, by the way. I just think that's cover for for, 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 for not wanting to plant a flag in any particular part of the pitch. But I, I respect that. Oh, no, for the purposes of the interviewing, yeah, yeah, right, I'm, okay, I'm apolitical. Right. <laughs> okay. I, yes, I am deeply political. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> just not telling you, Eddie. Right, right. Okay, right, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, so what I did was in 2019, I, I originated and, um, and got um, a, a technical paper produced by Professor Cal Muckley in UCD about how you go about producing a social progress index for Ireland. Now listen to this, right? This was, this was why I got involved in politics first day. Uh, uh, we launched that paper, I think in late January 2020, just, uh, yeah, just in 2020. And, uh, and it was immediately, so, so it described in great technical detail the use of artificial intelligence gathering data points, surveys and hard data and how it would all come together and feed into policymakers and so on, a detailed basis. Um, and uh, and really advanced the whole idea of, of developing a social progress index for a country and pioneering it globally and doing it, etc. Right. So what happens is that uh, IBEC adapted as his policy quite quickly, so did ISME, and then it just fed straight into the program into the, the negotiations between the three parties, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, and the Greens. And then I got a I got a phone call out of the blue saying the program for government has just published, and I opened it up, and to my astonishment, number one on the program for government is a social progress index for Ireland. So when I say mission accomplished from a political perspective, and I'll never attend another political meeting again, that's what I mean by it. Right. right. So you feel you have, you have, you have done I've, the state some service. Well, I've, I've added something. Mm. No, no, it's been... It's so been, back to Sinn Féin then. It's, well, come to Sinn Féin in a second. It's been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been subverted now by the Department of Finance who don't want it. They sent somebody along to the launch of, the, uh, of it, so I know what their thinking is. They're, they're, they, they particularly don't want external data scientists measuring the performance of state services at the, inter- at the interface with citizens. They just don't want it for obvious reasons. Right. But they say, well, we can measure it. Or we're, we're measuring it ourselves, yeah, Eddie. Which will produce said, different yeah. answers. I said, that's the problem. Yeah, right? measure, it's measuring themselves. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Sinn Féin. So Sinn Féin. Because, I mean, and, and I don't mean to answer from an Eddie Hobbs point of view necessarily. I mean to say that, like, I, I guess we need to, as many people who are in public life yeah. to, 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 especially people who know about stuff, economics and stuff, yeah. to, to inform us as best as possible. Well, Sinn Féin are gaining a huge traction among the public. Yeah. We know why that is. Yeah. The point is, there are people who are scaring other people about Sinn Féin as well yeah. and saying, so for want of a better expression, we'll lose all our money if Sinn Féin come in. The country will go bro- broke. Mm. Where do they come up with the numbers? How do you come up with those figures? Yeah. They'll bankrupt the country. Tell us, Eddie, what do you think? Well, that's all part of the cut and thrust of um, propaganda on both sides of any political argument, unfortunately, and truth can die in the middle. We saw that in the last British election. If you look at Corbyn and his agenda, which was a socialist taxation platform, it was rejected by the very people he thought it would attract. And they flew in their numbers over towards Boris Johnson and all his gang throughout the so-called red lines in Britain. Now, there's a reason for this. Uh, so, so I look through. So, I'm familiar with the Sinn Féin manifesto, but I'm also. I think I have reasonable, good relationships with certain members of the party. I, I, I communicate with them occasionally. I talk to them, and I do with all parties of the left. Even though I see myself as a radical centralist, I'm not. I'm not a socialist, and I. I don't. I think it's a damaging way of running anything. So, I made the point on the program that we've built Ireland over 30 years on the basis of a kind of a go on, you know, get on with a type of business trading type culture. We've, we are especially blessed to have foreign direct investment, no driving our revenues, responsible for one, one euro in every five running through our health and education systems. 
And along comes a policy platform which says we're going to start with a wealth tax, but we're not going to define wealth as wealthy. We're going to define wealth at a level which is actually less than the nominal capital value of a teacher's pension scheme. So this is a straight tax on the middle classes. This isn't some kind of tax on the Hollywood Irish characters type thing and all that nonsense. They, like if they're going to do it, at least set it at where wealth starts, not where it, not not at this level. That's the first point. And um, at eighty percent of people's homes are going to be thrown into this pot, plus your greyhounds and your horses and your dogs and your cats and your jewellery and everything added together. And you're going to tax it at ten percent every decade, one percent per annum for, on, on top of the taxes you paid to build up those assets in the first place. And that kind of a message, when you're trying to, I'll put it to you like this. Israel has 450 quoted companies on its stock exchange, nearly all of them built in Israel by Israelis. The Scandinavian company countries have companies built by Scandinavians quoted on their stock market, mm. around 20 times more than we have. We have nothing here that's grown here and, and becomes a unicorn here where it, it employs an awful lot of Irish people. How are we going to generate an entrepreneurial culture in Ireland and generate jobs and improve education and give more and more people good jobs and better housing if we're at the same time we're saying as soon as you're successful we're going to clobber you with all these taxes and that's the problem with socialism that's why I said a man is two cows he takes the state takes one cow off him and gives it to his most idle neighbour and that that really got them got Sinn Féin into a huge snot over it because because it's hard it's hard commentary now and then I said, well, you don't understand the difference between socialism and communism. I said, I do, yeah. With communism, they take both cows off you. Right? Mm. Now, I think that when you, you know, sometimes political comment has to come down to slogans and sound bites. And I know there's, tech, there's problems with what I said. I, I accept that. Um, but I'm quite happy to debate the, the detail of it in public with anybody. But I don't want to be, and I'm not, and I never want to be, some kind of a lightning rod our leader to take on, you know, a voice to take on this this type of argument. This is a this is a matter for the other political parties to debate okay. and to take it on. And I, and 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 I'm sure that's what will happen. All right, briefly on this, then the <laughs> fundamental problem, one of the fundamental problems facing our society, is the fact that young people cannot find a house to either live in or, in this case, even rent yeah. at a price which is even negotiably remotely, remotely negotiable. Yeah. Remotely negotiable. Yeah, and I've lost a member of my own family. And this is why problem. Sinn Féin, yes? Yeah, I know that chap. Watch you sorry, you'd lost what? I lost a member of my own family to the same effect. I mean, he's emigrated because he couldn't afford to live in Dublin with his girlfriend. Yes. Right, so like, I, I know what's going on and I completely yes. and understand. And so basically the, 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 the next generation of Ireland, this generation and their following generation, will be famonized. They will well, be kicked well, out. Hold on a second now. Yeah. This generation are being told, vote for us and you'll get a house. That's the brand, yes. right? I accept that. That's yes. the political but message. But it can't get any worse. That That's the political message. I get that. Yeah. This year, no, I'm not here to defend sure. what's happened, right? But I can tell you that after the, after the crash in Ireland, the response was to publicly hang the property class, including the developers, and I'd no great love of them, tax development profits at 90%, and basically destroy house building in the country, which is what we did as punishment for having done this to us. That's what happened. So house building just stopped. The economy got going, start to fire again around, you know, 2014 and 15. And suddenly we had growth again, but we had no housing. So we had a massive deficit, which was self-created by the administrations at the time. So now we have this huge deficit problem. This year, here's the point, this year in 2022, the proposal is, as I understand it, that 12 billion is going to go into housing. 
8 billion of that is coming from the private sector, it's coming from private investment, and 4 billion is coming is coming from the state through borrowings that us taxpayers are supporting, which is good capital spending all for it. The question I would the question I would raise Mario, it's a serious question. If we're going to bring all these extra taxes and well tax is only the start of it. Everything is going everything all the taxes are being changed. We're becoming a higher tax society. Like how much of the 12, how much of the 8 billion that's matching the 4 billion is actually going to manifest itself? Because if you're trying to generate an, a state-private partnership to, to the problem solve, it's, you're going to have to incentivize. The problem we've had in Ireland, in my opinion, is that the taxes that we do generate are not being efficiently used. That's always the problem. We see it in the health system in particular. We, you don't have to go too far from here to see it, which is the children's hospital. We have built the most expensive children's, most expensive hospital in the world. Yeah. And you know what? Everybody's fine with that because you know what? It, because it doesn't matter. So my point is, yeah, I'm all for taxes and I pay my taxes like everybody else. I've paid millions in tax throughout my career in the country. And I started off, I remember in, in the early 1980s, paying, you know, something like 72 or 73 percent in, in, in tax on my income. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I've done all that. I know what it's been like through the 1980s. I worked through the 1980s when when we couldn't fill soccer teams, hurling teams, rugby teams, Gaelic football teams in Cork because all my pals were gone. Mm. We were down to scrambling to try and get teams together. Mm. Everybody got on planes and, and just left mm. because we had a basket case of political instability and we hadn't got it right. We started to get it right from then on, but we'd all the corruption and yeah. the immaturity to go. Well, I think it. the political party who does something to ameliorate this problem will inherit the earth. That's the way I see it. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, Twitter, yeah. right? So... Uh, I, I did a tweet there a while ago, a while back, and it was um, I, I was incensed by this. Um, I, it was, I was incensed during the lockdown by some of the uh, the modelling predictions that were mm. coming out about cases. Yeah, um, and uh, I responded by, by just a, an angry tweet, and it got a lot of traction. And um, I, I remember you 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 jumped on it as well and said I think it was a good you you were sort of liked it or whatever. Mm. And uh, but one of the things about Twitter and the lockdown was I mean I think some people started to equate you. You said the word conspiracy earlier mm. on in the interview, mm. and that that there was oh Hobbs Eddie Hobbs he's gone he's gone all conspiracy oh, yeah, yeah, theories tinfoil hat stuff. He's yeah. gone tinfoil hat and um, and of course you disagree with that. So but but but, but fundamentally the, no, but the truth is in the middle. No, it's as not. You, no, no, the truth not. is in the middle somewhere, as you said a minute ago, isn't it? No. That like, no, not that, not that you're half a conspiracy theorist, but for example, you, you for example, didn't agree with the lockdown, right? No, that's not. No, no. Let me just let me just yeah, lay it out for you. Well, let me lay it out for you. There are not just me. There are serious issues surrounding the whole way all this happened over the last few years, yeah. and it's not aimed at the Irish authorities or how Ireland did it. Yeah. For for starters, the definition of a pandemic was lowered. In the in the in in and around 2007 2008 by the WHO itself okay. to remove comorbidity and to remove deaths mass deaths and mass serious sickness as part of the definition it moved to just purely an infection rate. Okay. So the question is why under what under what conditions was it brought down? Yeah. Why? Well, what had the pharmaceutical lobby to do with any decisions being made at the WHO? A lot. Yeah. So that that I don't know. That's the question, right? Mm-hmm. The next question is. Why were why were the PCR tests that we all venerated over the last couple of years set at 45 cycles, which generated in a lot of cases probably about 80% of false positives? In other words, we were looking at numbers that weren't real because people weren't infected with coronavirus. 
it should have been set at around 35 cycles or less. It was set at 45. Why was it set? Why were the cycles set so high? To generate a huge caseload. Next question. Why were people... Why were debts recorded as debts from COVID instead of debts with COVID, mm-hmm. given the aforementioned PCR excesses? Get it, right? I get it. So then when we look at the excess mortality rate in 2020, when we had no vaccine, it's the same mortality rate as we had in 2018 when we had a bad flu year. But the following year, when we were injecting everybody, including me, by the way, because I'm vaccinated, uh, we had excess mortality appearing. Yeah. So that seems to me to be connected to lockdown. Now, then we, we looked on this national dashboard every day and it was drilled into us through RTE and national yeah. media. The national media, so we'll come back to that in a moment, RTE and the national media were drilling this into us because the state was drilling it into us, but the dashboard was completely false because the dashboard was reporting cases that have a very big question mark over how, how cases were to be defined yeah. and death from COVID when it was death with COVID right. or mightn't have even had COVID. Understood. Anything at all other than been literally just being blown up by a bomb, you were going to, it was going to be death from COVID. I'm exaggerating that to make a point. And, and nowhere on the dashboard was, and here are all the, here, here, are, here are the new cancer diagnoses for 2019. And here is the number for 2020. Mm. Oh, what happened? Mm-hmm. Here are all the new diabetes diagnosis yeah. in 2019 and here it is for 2020 because yeah. the hospitals were closed. And we will pay this price potentially so, in the next two, three, four well, years. Well, what I'm saying is that the price of lockdown yeah. wasn't wasn't yeah. ever displayed. So the question is, well, who came up with lockdown mm. and what was the real virus? Yes. Was it the virus or was it was lockdown the virus? Well, who came up with lockdown and why the is Chinese, there a lockdown? Not the Chinese came up with lockdown and they, were, they, they decided to handle their problem with a lockdown. And what happened was the, the West was panicked into 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 following the Chinese Why? lead. But there was no... I'll come to that in yeah. a second. There was no scientific basis behind lockdown at all. The WHO policy for handling a, a virus like this was, 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 was followed by Sweden, for example, which was to isolate and protect and look after vulnerable. the vulnerable and let the rest of society get on with it. Yeah, just jump in there so for we, a second. So we, all, no, no, we, 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 we were bouncing got to it, lockdown. Got to continue yeah. in a second, because there was a St. John Hopkins... Um, a study done a few, yeah. just a few weeks ago, which would have backed up a lot of what you said there about that yeah. the effectiveness of the lockdown, according to this study, uh, was proved to be largely ineffective. But anyway. we knew that at the time. Go on, anyway. But why did, why no, did we adopt a lockdown then? Well, the world was panicked. Uh, a lot of the stuff that was coming out of China, the videos and stuff, we now know were fakes. Now, some of it was, wasn't, but some say, of it Say wasn't. that again? There was videos coming out of China, yeah. people, for example, falling down dead in the streets. They yes. weren't falling down dead in the streets. They weren't falling down dead in the streets anywhere in the world. Were they, uh, they were dying in hospital, right? There was fake. There was, there was, one, there was one video, famous one, of, of a Chinese guy being taken out of his car by, by a group of police, yeah. right? And the police had a SWAT written on the on the backs of their jerseys. Yeah. I've seen this stuff. Yeah, go on. Right? SWAT is a, you know, is SWAT an American... Team. Ex- yeah, SWAT team. A Chinese SWAT team right. in, in a city Wouldn't in China. Wouldn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. But what's the point? What were they doing the video for? I think that there was a there was a kind of a... I don't... Well, listen, there's, there's, there's far better people than me to explain what the thinking behind that was. Uh, if you're if you're interested in looking at it, there's a book by Michael P. Sanger, an American lawyer, who who describes it in some detail, which which actually stands up, and you can go on his his account and you can see all the videos if you want to, right? But it happened, right? So the the West was bounced, but the point where it was really bounced was when Ferg, you 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 started this question by asking me about models. So let's talk about models. There was a model from the Imperial College in London by Ferguson. The Ferguson model predicted millions and millions of deaths in the UK and much greater number of deaths in the United States. 
just at the moment that all of this was happening and the world, oh my God, we've science here from Imperial College and this is happening in China. And, if, and Italy went into lockdown and everybody was using lockdown from then on. So the question then I would ask is, well, we have 19,000 doctors in Ireland registered in the Medical Council. There's an awful lot of papers floating around, peer-reviewed papers that argue both sides of all medical issues. Very, very, very well argued on both sides. So there's an awful lot of debate constantly happening about, say, ivermectin, for example, as a drug, right? So there's a lot of peer-reviewed stuff, positive. There's other stuff, negative. But we weren't having any debate. There was no discussion in Ireland. Why was there no discussion? And that brings me back to the central point of my criticism of, of how we behave through all of this. And that was that the fourth estate in Ireland completely failed to do its job. It didn't hold the government to account and it didn't hold the medical profession to account. What it did was it took the advertising revenues from the state because the newspapers weren't selling and it kept its mouth shut. Clearly, if you're, if newspapers came into, the media in Ireland came into this in, in not good shape because of competition from social media and so on, you know the story, salaries are cut, things are being thinned out, how they're even getting newspapers out is, 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 is very difficult to understand sometimes. It really is on a wing and a prayer. And their main competition is social media. I mean, they're now beginning to quote unnamed tweets on newspapers. Like when you have that happening, it's no longer journalism. We're now into la la land, right? So, so Irish media, in my opinion, didn't ask the right questions, didn't hold the medical profession to account, the epidemiologists to account, and, and then unfortunately fell into the trap some people anyway, of demonising, vilifying and discriminating against people who were not vaccinated. And I, I saw that coming. I criticised the president for not referring the, uh, the emergency powers to the Supreme Court. I publicly criticised him. I said that should have been referred to the Supreme Court, which it was in other countries, to see if it was offensive to the competition because the president's job is to protect the Irish people who are separate from the state, from the state. And the, and the the tool, the tool book is the is the constitution. That didn't happen. No, we can pat ourselves in the back and say we all got through. We all did our bit, by the way, including me, right? But I'm not going to sit down and not ask the bloody questions. And 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 people who need to answer the questions are going to have to answer them because the questions are coming up globally. Uh, you know uh, about what happened, and uh, and 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 it's going to continue to happen until until all this comes out into the open. So. Uh, I'm not saying there was any conspiracy or anything like that. Did you get a lot of global conspiracy? That's absolute, and that's why I've allowed you yeah. have, have your have, yeah. have your well spoken. Yeah. And that's where we are leaving it for this special bonus episode with the rest of my chat with Eddie Hobbs. I hope you enjoyed it. As you can hear, he's sparky, prickly, opinionated. He does his research though. Um, so if you haven't heard the first part of this interview, scroll down and have a listen. It was very interesting from a few weeks back. Make sure you check it out. You will not be disappointed. On the next episode, model, TV presenter, business owner, Glenda Gilson. We have a lot of fun on this one. Check it out. See you soon, folks.